episode 49 of the Glass of Joe podcast. As always, with PJ Glasser, I'm Joe Malfa. We are delighted to have Wes Hall this week, the pre- and post-game host for the Wizards, to talk their play-in game. Spoiler alert, we had to rejigger the schedules a little bit, so we recorded that with him before the Wizards won last night. So I imagine he is very, very happy right now. And he, hey, when you listen to the interview we had with him, he was spot on in predicting that game, and we'll see if he is spot on in predicting the series against the Sixers and the postseason as a whole. So without further ado, before we get into our own NBA playoff bracket picture, here is the real Wes Hall. Pleased to be joined this week by our good friend, host of Wizards pre- and post-game shows on NBC Sports Washington, Wes Hall. Wes, how's it going, man? I'm great, PJ. I appreciate <laughs> you and Joe for having me on, man. You guys, I enjoy your content. I enjoy you as people as well. So when you guys gave me the call, it was not a hesitation in my body about joining you. So guys, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. We appreciate that. We appreciate Absolutely. That. We do appreciate that, Wes. It's a big night for you, for me, for Wizards fans. It's elimination <sighs> night. How how are you feeling after what you saw against Boston? The team's been rolling down the stretch in the regular season, but they didn't look good against the Celtics. So against a team that they've had a lot of success against, do you feel good going into tonight? Uh, it's it's the postseason, so I'm like nervous because <laughs> it's the postseason. We all know what happens. Things get tighter. You know, it, it, it can be one bounce of the ball, either direction that really determines the outcome of the game. But looking at the way that we performed against Boston, it's so weird because the Wizards got hot after playing Boston in the regular season. And so here it is. It's kind of an interesting juxtaposition to, to struggle against the Celtics the other night. But now looking at the Pacers, we've already taken care of them this season. Interestingly enough, what's the likelihood that you take a team out four times in the same season? So that's why I'm nervous. Not because I don't think we can, can perform. Obviously, I do. I'm excited to see us come out and, and give them all manner of whatnot. But it's really difficult to go against the stats of history. And so it's going to be incumbent upon Russ and, and, and Brad and everybody, and I mean everybody, to show up tonight. Everybody has to come to the table. Look and at you, now- Davis Bertans. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I need everybody, come baby. on, man. If you got on the jersey, I need at least 10 out of you tonight. That's like, right. Alex Len, give it, give it to them all. All the yeah, terps. Like, all the terps. That's the thing, uh, though. Like, we've got, we've got a dynamic trio inside with Len, Lopez, and Gafford, and, and seeing what they've been able to do as far as dominating and being able to give a variety of different ways to score and play, play the game. I think it's going to be a problem for Indiana. That's really where I'm going to be focusing tonight. Obviously, Russ and Brad and the guard play is going to be a focal point. But the bigs inside, that's where we have an opportunity and hope that uh, we can get that done. And it's so weird hearing you say that because um, for all the shows that I made graphics for back in January and February, I can't tell you how many times I was fonting a Wizards pre- and post-game show and I had to make a graphic. Uh, How can the Wizards fix their big man issue? Uh, Is anybody able to step up? Uh, what's the what's the problem in the paint? And now here you are saying that's their best opportunity tonight. Yeah, it, it's weird because I mean, we, the, there are guards aplenty in the NBA, right? So you can get guards and wings all day long, but when dominant big men are a rare breed, and a combination of a three-headed monster like ours is extremely unique. So it's not just that you know you have one kind of Joel Embiid type guy or or one Nikola Jokic type player, but you have three guys that really combine to make one formidable big man. And with three bodies, that allows you, what, 18 fouls if they want to use all of them? 
you know, like there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for different matchups that you can use with Lynn starting, Gafford coming in off the bench, Lopez works with the second unit as a stretch across. So that way, no matter who's got the hot hand, you always have options versus everything being banked on one person. So that that's what I really look forward to seeing tonight. Punish people inside. I need Daniel Gafford to like dunk on three, three or four people. That's just makes me happy. <laughs> we'll see if we can get that done. Um, just the way the schedule works out this week, we're not going to be able to release this episode until Saturday. So yeah. at that point, the Wizards will either be gone fishing or mm-hmm. going to Philly. Um, yeah. Which team here, Wizards or Pacers, do you think could take more games off the Sixers in that potential matchup? If any, either team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Pacers, so, you know, they beat up on Charlotte and sent them home. Charlotte, just young and inexperienced, didn't really know what to do with the Pacers when they got on, and they put up 144. So looking at the way that the Pacers score points, yes, Sabonis and those guys could give a, you know, be a matchup problem, but I'm not going to lie. There's something about Russell Westbrook in, in a backed-against-the-wall kind of tiger-in-the-corner situation against Philly that I think would be problematic for them. Yes, we have him beat to deal with but i just made the case for a three-headed monster that can try to attack and slow him down you do have to deal with guys like seth curry not steph but the other one um you also have to deal with guys like tobias harris that whole roster and and ben simmons who we're not really worried about ben's shooting but his facilitating is, is something that you have to respect and plus don't forget there's a guy that never steps on the court who you still have to take account for and it's doc rivers their coach has done a phenomenal job of really getting everybody on the same page and buying into this stage of whatever their process is. I don't even know what phase we're in right now. feels like we're like in the uh, second, um, what's the one I was thinking, the second Thor movie in the MCU. Like, where is this in the timeline? I know it's important. <laughs> There's a couple of nuggets here. I don't know where we are, but that's kind of where it feels as far as Phil is concerned. And I know that that would be a personal fight for us because we've taken them down through it. When we played them earlier in the season, we had them dead to rights. And then it was in the latter part of the game, right around the fourth quarter where MB just took over. So having that template of where we went wrong, I think it really offer us a, a formula on how to get right against Philly, especially in the series. Personally, I think that the Wizards losing to Boston, if they obviously win tonight, could be better. Cause I'd personally rather play Philly than Brooklyn. I think it'd be a better matchup for them just cause I don't see how you beat Brooklyn in a four-game series with with all that offensive talent. Um, Wes, regardless of what happens, though, tonight, how will you remember the Wizards' season most, and should it be considered a success even if they do lose to the Pacers? Um, The way that I would remember this is probably one of the most exciting and challenging seasons in NBA history. And as far as the Wizards are concerned, both challenging and exciting, uh, an emotional roller coaster. Because not only has did we start off the season, you know, like two and nine, which nobody wants to start that way, and then you come from April seventh and you go seventeen and six. So, great way to turn that around. The, the arc is beautiful, but along the road there were a lot of down to the wire, one point here, one point there games where you beat Brooklyn, but then you lose to Orlando, you know, that kind of stuff where it's just like, who are we right now? Like, what's going on? So I enjoyed the ride. It's It's been exciting to watch, especially watching Brad chasing Steph uh, or going tan- toe-to-toe with Steph for the scoring title. Uh, Russell Westbrook literally breaking a record every time he hits the court. You're like, all right, I just need another stat. Somebody hands me another stat. Like, yep, he did that again. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> so that, those type of things are, are exciting. Um, but to, to the latter question, it's it's really weird looking at where we are in sports, period. 
Like, I don't take anything for granted. This season taught me valuable lessons about appreciation, that no matter what, you lock in, you focus, and you take the time to appreciate the people around you in the moments that you're in. I know, you know, there have been plenty of seasons before in a normal 82-game season. I don't remember half of it. Like, I literally have to Google them. I'm like, oh, yeah. Where this season, I was locked in. I was locked in. I was focused and just excited to see these guys come out and play. So no matter what happens moving forward, you know, we're in a good position. Off season, it's going to handle itself. I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely no idea what's going to happen. I know what I kind of want to happen, but in general, um, you know, it's just we're, we're in a good place. It's going to it's going to be fun for Wizards fans no matter what happens this season. No matter what the outcome is, a win. It's a win because of a how it started, the challenges that they had to overcome, and the fact that they finished strong. Like you cannot ask for a better ending to a season, especially considering the way that it started. Imagine if they instead of starting two and nine, started, I don't know, six and five, seven and three. You know what I mean? Like just imagine be a that five change. seed. <laughs> yeah. Now you yeah. see what I'm saying? Like, I just, mean. And yeah, there's so many difference. There's so many little things throughout the year because all right, they had the slow start and then they had the COVID pause, which made things right. even worse. And then after that, you had to start playing more games in a shorter span to make up for it. But that's yep. when they started winning games because they started rolling. So just all around, just, just you a while. Take Thomas game. Bryant getting hurt in game 10 mm-hmm. against Miami. He's gone. That's the thing. Could you imagine right. if they were healthy? Like the whole, they had this team, they had Gafford from the start. I mean, they, they could have been like a four or five seed. I get, I get what you're saying then 100%. Like, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Wizards fan, at least for going forward to next year. But that's the thing with the NBA offseason. You don't have any idea what's going to happen at any time. Mm-hmm. You just turn on your tweet notifications to Woj and Shams, and you right. sit back and wait. That's all you can do. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's so crazy. I saw a commercial with Woj in it. I forget what it was advertising, but it was just hilarious. I'm like, Woj is in commercials now. That's how far across the lexicon he's de- – that's how deep in he is, where they're using Woj. <laughs> in commercials like staring at his phone the lady's like you might want to take that he's like okay i'll take it so just you know that that's where we are yeah make sure your notifications are on and you can also tag mine too at real west hall there we go good plug (laughs) always got to get that in there um before we get to so we'd like to do our swift seven questions with all our guests fire away we've done it with c-mail and we're gonna do it with you too we're gonna split it up into 14 77 west so you get a double dose but before that um are you a fan of the play-in games and do you think the nba should stick with it make any tweaks to it um where do you foresee it getting into the fold in the future uh i love it it makes the latter part of the season relevant Uh, i know typically in a normal season we wouldn't care about the last seven games unless you're one of those teams fighting for the eighth seed but now that you add the nine and ten in a play-in scenario it really makes the back end of the season well i I translate that to you know the, the nfl moving division games into the latter parts of the regular season why because you want it to matter versus teams resting players and just saying, all right, well, we've, we've already solidified our spot, so I'll just throw out the third string tight end and see what he can do. No, it matters. I need to see those starters on the field. The same thing with the NBA, where you want these games to matter for everybody on the court. No more tanking, kids. Mm-mm. No benefit in doing that. Plus, the ultimate thing that I love about the play-ins, it rewards the fans. Mm-hmm. It rewards. It's all about giving them the best product that we can put on the court night in and night out. Um, I know you guys said this is going to run a little bit later, but looking at the Lakers Warriors game, great game, bro. 
that was like and the score of it i mean they were struggling to get to 100 points and in a regular season game you never see that never Never but see that's that's a testament to what playoff or postseason basketball looks like things tighten up and the best shine the cream rises to the crop i'll throw another cliche statement out there whatever (laughs) Uh, but you know what i mean like that's what it's all about now as far as moving forward we got it in the 72 game season i'd like to see it in the 82 where the schedule is back to its normal setting so you guys get a little bit more rest so that way guys don't feel like they're you know kind of playing with their backs against the wall I, i i think that would be good but i love it i'm all about giving more reasons for fans to watch more reasons for players to give their all um, and I think that this moving forward could be a real benefit for the NBA. And it just now that you've seen the Lakers who didn't want to be there have to fight for something. I think they're going to have to focus a little bit more next year, knowing that this might be the result. If you don't go hard in the early part of the season, you could find yourself in that play and clamoring, fighting for your dear life. I don't understand why it's even an argument, because the only argument against it is the old man waving the fist like, oh, you're watering down the playoffs. You're letting two teams in. But really, it's not because when they play after they're done with it, it's still only eight teams. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. That same old man waving his fist is complaining about load management and is yep. complaining about the regular season not mattering. And this is making it matter. And the only difference is maybe a 10 seed who should have not made it is the eight seed. But guess what? Your reward as the eight seed is probably getting swept or losing a five or the one seed anyway. Thank you. So it's, it's not at the end of the day. Once we get to round two, it has no bearing on anything because we think all know about they're getting slaughtered in the first round. But you're absolutely right. Like it's you're still getting the seventh and eighth seat. Yeah. Like we're not totally bastardizing the playoff. You're still getting the seventh and eighth seat. What's happening is we're going to make the seventh and eighth seat earn it. Whereas years before, like I said, if you know you're sitting at the seven and eight and you've got f- sub 500 record, you're like, uh, we're the seven, we're the eight. Well, you know, we'll kind of pack it in and wait for the playoff. No, 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 no. Now you have to earn your seat. And it's even more difficult for that nine and 10 because they've got to win twice to get to the eight seat. So by all means, I love this. This brings a rather collegiate feel to the NBA regular season and postseason. I'm all about this. Yeah, we talk about the seven, eight, nine, and 10, but it's also making the four, five, and six play longer and not load manage because they don't want to fall down in the Thank seven. Thank you. So Who wants to be there? It's Nobody. all great all around. We get a, to watch a great game like we did last night. And at the end of the day, no integrity of the game is yeah. uh, changing because all you're doing is playing for one eight seed and they're going to lose probably in four or five anyway. Sorry, Wizards. We hope we see something <laughs> different against the Philly. odds are but against we don't us. know. The, are, the odds are against I'll tell you, you know? this. Here's the thing about a team like the Wizards. Coming in at the AC, we were originally sitting around 10. Then the game, I forget who lost, but we were at the 9. And then we ended up landing ourselves at the 8 because we won. Um, that, the fact that the Wizards are even in this situation, that's why I love it. A very dangerous team that, depending on the matchup, could surprise a lot of people. Imagine, say, I know that we're, we're playing Philly, but imagine how we ended up beating Boston and landing at the seven to play Brooklyn. I would have found that to be must-see TV. Mm-hmm. Right? There's so many yeah. storylines. There's a ton of storylines. Scott Brooks is connected to half of Brooklyn's team. We got Kevin Durant dealing with DC. Like, There's just so many things that were all tied together. I would have loved to cover that series. But you mentioned those other couple of things and you don't even mention Russ, Russ and KD. KD. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Russ versus Harden, like all this stuff. Like there's so many different storylines that tether this thing together. It would have been excellent to watch. But again, it kind of goes to the same thing with DC versus Philly. Look, do I need to talk baseball? 
That's fine. I'll bring up Bryce Harper if we want. Do I want to talk Ryan Kerrigan running up there to Philly? Like, there's a ton of D.C. Philly connections that this series, presuming the Wizards win, it, it would be so exciting to watch because they're the, the cities don't like each other, yet they're very similar in a lot of ways. You want to talk about the history of the nation? Where do you want to fight? You want to go to Liberty Bell? You want to deal with the, you know, the nation's capital? Like, we got all that stuff. Eastern Seaboard. We got Mambo Sauce. They got cheese wit on everything. <laughs> so, like, I love the opportunity to see these two teams go at it. But that's what it's about, man. You never really know because there have been some, a ton of surprises in postseason ball. And that's why you play the games. All right. And now we Amen. get to the postseason ball. Like we said, you get the double dose of the Swift 7. East version, West version. TJ will take the West. I'll take the East. Let's go. Number one. Uh, which series has a better chance of going seven, Hawks Knicks or Heat Bucks? Ooh, Hawks Knicks, Hawks Knicks. The, the, those two, those two teams actually play as like total units individually. So that's I was talking to a guy about this the other day. The Knicks are basically one cohesive unit, and it's fun to watch them. They play a rugged style of basketball. Plus, Julius Randle is a problem. So, so who yeah. wins that series? You like Knicks? Yeah, I take the Knicks in that one. I take Coach T. Tom Thibodeau has done a phenomenal job up there. Yes, I love what Nate McMillan has done in Atlanta, especially after the way that Indiana did him. But I really love what the Knicks are doing right now. Derrick Rose is locked in, and, and they're getting a lot out of each other. So I, I give a shout-out to the Knicks. At this present moment, key distinction, at this present moment, number two, who do you think is the best player in the East? Because I feel like Harden is one of the main players, but Embiid, Giannis, KD, yeah, there's a lot of options. Even Russ, I mean, with the way he's putting up triple doubles, Tatum, with what he just—I mean, you got a lot of a lot of options. So for me, the best player is hard because I'm I'm afraid of like who's the most dangerous player, and then there's who's the most productive player. So the most dangerous one is Russ because that's a walking triple double, like you said, PJ. Like he, he, he can put in work and he gets other people involved. So that's what makes him so dangerous. But if it's just strictly in my own skin, what I can do on my own, I've got to kind of take a look at Jason Tatum because 50 points, like impossible to match up on, guard skills at like 6'9", can knock it down, doesn't back down, and take you off the dribble. Jason Tatum is underrated. But then there's Embiid, Harden. I don't even want to talk about the Brooklyn boys because they've been playing cheat code all season long. Half of them haven't even played. So you said, you know what I mean? Like you asked me right now. So right now – uh, Giannis is up there, Embiid's up there, and Jason Tatum's up there as well. All right, number three, sleeper team in the East. The Wizards. That's not even a homer pick. It really, it, I really justify it. Like, yeah, true. Two superstars, like I mean, yeah, I'll take you a right. long way. You're not going to find a lot of teams that have two superstars and are the eight seed. And like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of factors that went into it. If they were yeah. both fully healthy all year, no COVID issues, nothing – probably higher than an eight seed. So it's, it's a and dangerous, dangerous thing. Here's what also makes them dangerous. Not a lot of people outside of the DC market are expecting anything from them. So their neglect becomes our ally. I love that. Doubt me. And while you're doubting me, I'm going to put up points on the scoreboard and you're going to be looking around like Brooklyn was twice this year. Like, how do we end up here? <laughs> because we beat you. That's why. Uh, number four, what's the playoff matchup down the road in the East that you most want to see in the later rounds? Ooh. Um, Excluding the Wizards, because that, that answer will always land there. Um, I would love to see the Knicks beat up on Philly. Mm. I'd love to see that matchup. Mm. It's, it's, it's a difficult one because Philly's got the size, but New York has the grit and grind. 
And I don't know if, if the Knicks are there yet as far as being able to play with Philly, but I'd love to watch it. It'd be fun to see what happens. But, I mean, I still kind of want to see the Bucks get over the hump. Like, I need to see the Bucks lock in. Like, get it done and win a convincing conference finals convincingly and then go ahead and score out for whoever comes out against the West. So those are the two that come to mind off, off top. All right, number five. If you're Steve Nash and you're drawing up a final play, whose hands are you putting the ball in? Ooh, that's hard. First of all, who's on the court? <laughs> Which one oh, of these we're guys? We're talking is all available? three. KD, Harden, and Kyrie are all out there on the court. It's not the regular season anymore. They're in the postseason. They're all out there. Okay. You got to draw up a play. Who are you putting them in, in their uh, hands? This is going to sound sacrilegious, but Kyrie. And here's why. I don't think it's sacrilegious. We've seen it in, in the finals. I mean, he's done it. That's why he's done it. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of justified attention on KD. There'd be a lot of justified attention on Harden, but you can't double team everybody. And who's the guy that's going to leak out Kyrie. So yeah, I, I think he'd be the one plus his ball handling skills that could end up landing him on the free throw line. If he has to get there anyway. That's true. Uh, number six coach in the East under more pressure, Nash in Brooklyn, doc in Philly or Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Mm. So the surface when Doc is cool because Doc's playing with house money right now. So he's good to go. Um, Budenholzer's got a lot of pressure because, again, people really want to see Milwaukee take that next step. And if they don't, then it's going to be one of those kind of situations like, do we need a new coach? Does somebody else have to come in here and give that extra bump? Kind of um, the same thing that happened when Mark Jackson had the Warriors in their early state. Mm. Like, same players. Mm. It's like, maybe we need a new coach. Insert Steve Kerr. Things change. Obviously, we know what happened with them being the dynasty. But looking at Steve Nash with Brooklyn, there's a ton of pressure with that because you've got all the toys in the park, all of them. How do you not win it all? You come into the season, you got three all-stars, bona fide, not questionable, certified all-star bucket getters. You have to actually, you know, perform and produce with that. So I think of the three, the most pressure is on Brooklyn because the expectations were so high. Number seven, before I send you out west to PJ, Nets or the field to make the final? Field. 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 All right. Yeah, the Nets are going to implode. And, and it's not really just because of personalities and stuff. I think because they haven't had enough time on the court together, they're going to be trying to figure it out. And that's when other teams are going to say, hey, well, while they're learning, let's do what we've been doing to get us here and really kind of, you know, make it difficult for those guys to just run rough shot. Plus, Brooklyn doesn't play defense. Still hadn't figured that out. History, history is on your side with that one. I mean, you think back to the Heat in their first year losing to the Mavericks. You think Lakers in their first year. Granted, LeBron got hurt, um, yep. but when he went out to the Lakers, they didn't make the playoffs. So, uh, first year is always tough. So, yep. see if their talent can overcome it. But I think I'm with you on that one. I think I like the Bucks if I like get over the hump personally. But, but we'll see. Hey, that's it. As long as they can do it, I'm all about the Bucks. Actually, Ash Jason Smith, he, he is a fan of that too. Can't spell West without Wes. So here right. we go. Wow. Seven questions out in the West. <laughs> well played, brother. Well played. The top uh, of the top two West seeds, Utah and Phoenix. Which one are you buying into more? Ooh, Phoenix. Now, I, now, mind you, Utah is a respectable team. So let's not let's not like laugh at, at Gobert and Spider and all those guys. Like I love what they've been able to do out there. The fact that Quinn Snyder put that team together and they've been able to fight to the teeth. Love that. However. Phoenix, they got a guy by the name of Chris Paul, who is fought. We all know he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's not even a question. But everywhere he goes, his teams get better. Yes. The team that he's on, he makes them better. Oh, like immediately. Like, yes. He showed up <laughs> on Monday. We're good on Tuesday. Like, that's Chris Paul. Plus, 
thinking about a guy like that same team without him. Devin Booker, I don't want to make Devin Booker mad. You don't want to make Book mad. Book will put up 50 on you too. So Chris Paul facilitating with the Suns. Uh, good luck, Lakers. Good luck, yeah, Lakers. Yeah, I can't that, wait for that series. Ooh, that's that would gonna be, be good stuff. Because Phoenix uh, will run. Yes, they do. You bring up CP3. Of the point guards in the Western Conference, which would you want leading your team? Steph, Dame, Luka, or CP3? Mm, man. Ooh, after Steph did what he did all the latter part of the season, Luka can't be ignored. Dame is cutthroat. Absolute cutthroat. And CP3 is in there as well? Yep. Ah, man. Is this for one game again, or how? What am I trying to accomplish? just if if you if you're picking a point guard to lead your team through the postseason, who's the guy you oh, want as your point the guard? Postseason, Steph. Okay. Through through the postseason, Steph, and it, and it's no disrespect to the other guys because there is Dame time is a legit thing, but Steph, if he's on the court, he can literally snap his fingers and throw ten on you in twelve seconds, and you and you got a problem on your hands. So Steph's that dude. What's the Western Conference matchup that you most want to see besides Lakers Clippers? We know the hey, battle. Man. The battle of LA is the one seed. But we if can't you're just looking, give you the easy choice, we got to take that. <laughs> right, I was like, uh, Lakers Clippers. Right now, you can um, use one of those teams. It could be Lakers Jazz or Clippers. You know, Nuggets, something like that. But yeah. what's what's the matchup you most want to see um, besides that? The the Lakers thing is always fun because you know everybody loves watching Lakers win or lose, no matter if you're a fan or not. So it's always good to match up with them. But if I'm going to include the Lakers, give me Utah. Give me Utah. I think it goes back in the day of the old uh, Magic versus Stockton and Malone days and everything. Mm. So I'd love to see that kind of story being brought back again. But let's not laugh at the Clippers now. They, too, like the Bucks in the East, the Clippers have a responsibility to, to you know get over the hump, especially after their poor performance last year in the bubble. So, yeah, I, I would love to see the Clippers square off against maybe Utah. That, that'd be real fun to watch, especially with Kawhi and PG, because we know how Paul George performed. Mm. So speaking of the Clippers, yes or no, are they going to regret dropping to the fourth seed so that they could avoid the Lakers? Uh, no, that's a, that's a safe place for them, um, especially in the early rounds. Avoid the Lakers. And, and I mean, avoiding the Lakers, not like the Lakers are a big threat, but emotionally, you just don't want to deal with that early. Right. You know, you, you want to get in the playoffs, have a decent square matchup and then and move forward. So, no, I think they did just fine. And I don't even think they were intentionally doing it. I think it just was. A, 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 <laughs> I don't know. You lose you lose to Houston and Oklahoma and Houston, City the yeah. last two games. Resting. Resting is okay. more important. That's what I mean by it. it's not like we're going out to lose. But it's I got like, If I rest my guys knowing we're making the postseason, if we happen to lose these games, so be it. But I'm not going to go out and try to go, you know, balls to the wall knowing that we're not really going to move much in the standing. So that's I get what I, you I, mean now. I was about to say, I mean, Houston and OKC, that was – you got to try yeah. to lose to both of those teams back <laughs> yeah. to back. But <laughs> Yeah, no, no. There, but remember, there's no benefit in intentionally losing. So why would you want to put yourself in a bad situation? It's just we, we all know when you've got Mr. Load Management, Kawhi Leonard on your team, along with Paul George as well, you know you got to rest everybody up. So put them out there for two minutes, sit them down, get ready for the postseason. Now, which player would you like to see personally more make the finals, Chris Paul or Dame Lillard? Ooh. Finally get there. Uh, right now, it's got to be Chris Paul. Dame's got Dame's got plenty of time left on the clock. Chris is kind of getting up there. And I think this would be a good opportunity for him. I don't see it happening with Phoenix, 
No, I wish there was like a postseason trade opportunity, which might make everybody mad with the NBA. Where it's like, hey, the Lakers need Chris Paul. Now he finally can become a Laker, seeing as Stern stopped that from happening many, many, many years ago. But um, yeah, I think Chris Paul would definitely be the one because it's his time. Like I said, the window's only so big. Yep. And then who's the sleeper team for you in the West? Utah. And it's crazy that they're yeah. a sleeper and they're a one Number seed. One. But I agree with you because the Lakers yeah. and the Clippers would be the favorites and yep. then Utah or Phoenix would be sleepers. Yeah, Utah, it's just something about the way that they score as a team and as a unit that you, you can't ignore them. Now, mind you, I haven't mentioned Denver one time, but Murray, yeah, him being gone, I, 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 can't, I can't lean in. So, yeah, Utah's that squad. Plus, they've got like, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Conley's still on that team, right? He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Conley's a problem. He uh, is pretty good. Hurt or healthy, Mike Conley's a problem. He's always <laughs> the one that people forget about. And I'm like, he made the all-star team, and it wasn't just like barely. Yeah, one person had to sit out. But Mike Conley can ball, bro. Like, that's the dude. So, yeah, Utah for me is a high-scoring, uh, well-recorded um, sleeper. And everybody thinks they're just uh, a defensive team. But like you said, they got, they got some guys who can score, too, so. It takes you by surprise a little bit. You took the field in the East. Are you taking the Lakers or the field in the West? I'm taking the field on the West too. Okay. So who's your, who's your finals matchup and then your champion? Ah, man. So when it's all said and done and, and don't tell Chris Miller, I said any of this. (laughs) Slippers Philly then is what you're going to take. Cause I know (laughs) those are the two teams that he lost. That's exactly what I would say. Like, don't tell him I said Clippers Philly. Like, but it's honestly, that's the pairing I see happening. Well, you're sold on Philly too. Well, because again, it's all about time and place. And the Bucks at this point haven't shown that they can get over the hump. Now, if they get over the hump, hey, if they end up landing there, I'm all about that action. Go right. get it. But for right now, way with the way the Doc has got Philly working, they're a well-oiled machine. They understand you don't blow everything out during the regular season. You leave something in the tank for the postseason. And since Doc has been there and done that, I'm confident that he can get Philly Philly up there. It's just I don't want to give Philly any love because you know, <laughs> true. It'll be it'll be our it'll be our secret. You good. Thank you. Wes, before that. we let you go, we give a trivia question to all Uh-oh. our guests. And you know, I'm listening to you talking and you talked about how lasered in and focused you were during the season. So I'm excited for this question because it'll be right down that alley. As you know, the Wizards were hot to end the season. They won 15 of their last 20 regular season games. Yes. That streak started with their win at Utah. All right, Mm -hmm. to give you some context. So they lost to four different teams. They lost to one team twice of those five games. So can you tell us who those four teams were that they lost to in the last 20 games of the season? Last 20 games of the season, who we lost. Whenever you're ready. 90 right. seconds and three strikes. Right. I'm like, <laughs> there's a catch to it. Yeah. Let's see. I'm, I'm literally rolling through the schedule in the back of my mind. But, uh, we Did we lose to Dallas? You did. 125, 124 on May 1st. Okay. So that's one. That's, that's one. Team. Uh, another Eastern Conference team that we should have beat, but we lost to. And I know my time is ticking. We ended you, up, got, you got a minute left. Yeah, you got plenty of time. I was going to say, I know we ended up facing Charlotte late, but that was we lost to them earlier. 
So yeah. Uh, yeah. No Charlotte. Yeah, yet, not but. Charlotte. Um, but, but, no, 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 no. We got a couple Eastern Conference. And I know it wasn't Boston. Uh, we already dealt with Miami. Come on, Wes. Who else did we lose to? I know Cleveland's not in this conversation. Man, I'm stumped right now. 30 seconds left. Oh, think, my God. Think really recent. Like, they lost to this team back-to-back. Oh, Atlanta. There you go. Yeah. Atlanta. Well, All right, so you got two left with 20 seconds. One Eastern Conference team, one Western Conference team. Uh, out of the West, it was probably Utah. It was not Utah, no. Ah, dang it. It wasn't Denver, was it? It was not Denver, nope. You got your last guest left with five seconds. No. <laughs> oh man. Oh, bro. I'm. I'm. Fa- what? The Pelicans? The Spurs. Oh, Net who got overtime? overtime thriller. Yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. In the you know what's so funny? I always forget about the Spurs in like all of my NBA conversations, unless we're actually talking about the Spurs. <laughs> I always forget about the Spurs. It's and so it's true. also funny because any championship in the NBA that I forget who won that year, the Spurs. It's, always, it's always the Spurs or a team from Texas. Like, wait, Houston won that year. Dallas won that year. Spurs won that. It's always a Texas team that I forget about. So it's rather fitting that I would forget that it was. There you go. And then the other one was Milwaukee. They lost to them in a one point game. Chris See? Middleton didn't play, came right down to all the Wizards. They could have won 20 straight games, which is insane because all you know those games is. they lost were by one point, three points, and four points. See, I get so brokenhearted by the close losses. I just take them out of my head. I'm like, <laughs> I can't even remember it. I have to I have to move on. There you go. Well, look, tonight they just got to win one. That's, that's it. one. And that's then it. survive in advance to play Sunday and get your crack at Philly. That's so. right. You win tonight, you get some days off, and then we get fully loaded, guys. I appreciate you having me on, gentlemen. This was fun. This A lot good. of fun, Wes. Fun. Thanks for joining we'll us. We'll have you back plenty of times in the future as well, too. Appreciate Especially it, as – here's the thing. Like, during the regular season, we only had c on once. We right. had him on twice in the off season, And that's the thing. Like, him, hey, you – we watch you guys almost more in the offseason because we know that the offseason is when the NBA really heats up. So you already know, that's man. That's, that's, fun. Fun. that's when it gets fun. Take it easy, Wes. Thanks again. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Yep. PJ, like I mentioned, we had to record that the other day based on when we're releasing this, based on how Wes's schedule worked out because he's a busy man. The guy's hosted pre- and post-game for all the Wizard shows. Yeah, especially yesterday. And he was spot on, man. He was very confident going into the Pacers game. Uh, I was doing the graphics for the pregame show yesterday. You were there as the on-site PA. Uh, he nailed it. He nailed it in every way. They do bold predictions before every show. His was that the Wizards would hit more than 10 threes on route to a win. They hit 14. They won the game. So yep. he, he was on it all the way. So we might have to listen to him for the rest of our playoff picks as well because that man has been spot on. If the Wizards keep playing like they do, he's just going to have to come on before every uh, series and get some spread some of that good luck. <laughs> We're going to have but... to just start doing extra episodes and put him on before every game so he keeps the luck going. That's and exactly go, fall, right. Fall, 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 fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, but the Wizards basically did to the Pacers what the Pacers did to the Hornets. The oh, scores were kind of identical. The Wizards just couldn't miss. They went on a 16-0 run in the second quarter and then just never looked back. And the big question is, you know, where was that effort against Boston? I think Russ and Brad being veterans knew that, look, if we're on in the first half, we're hitting our shots, let's go for it. But if not, we always have that game back home. We beat Indiana three times. We're comfortable against them. And you just saw last night, I mean, Indiana's defense was awful. 
awful. The Wizards got to the rim whenever they wanted. They were hitting their shots. Um, and, and now they get their test against Philadelphia. Look, they'll be lucky to probably win one game in that series. But I think Philly is better than Brooklyn for a couple reasons. The way the East stacks up, if you somehow beat Philly, you get the winner of New York and Atlanta, right. which is a lot better than if you were to somehow beat Brooklyn, you would get the winner of Milwaukee and Miami. So that Which is going to be Milwaukee this year. They're getting their revenge. I think so, year. too. So that is already in your favor. The second thing is, and obviously you don't want anybody to get injured, but it's sports and that happens, and Embiid has a history. If he were to get nicked up of some kind, well, yeah, you still got Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, but – if you were to face Brooklyn and KD gets hurt, they still got Harden and Kyrie. Right. So, you know, there's always that possibility if Embiid tweaks something, Philly hasn't played in a week and a half. You never know how rusty they're going to be. But the Wizards have to take game one. They've been playing playoff basketball for the past month. I mean, there were 15 games under 500 in April. So they've been in survive mode for the past month, five weeks. So you go into game one, you've already played two playing games, you're fresh, you're ready to go against a Philly team who's been sitting waiting around, and you know, just like I know, in Philly, those fans will be restless. If the Sixers come out and they're sluggish in the first quarter, in the first half, the fans will turn on them, and the Wizards might have a chance to win that game and shift home court into their favor, but I think that's the game they have to win. If they have any chance, they have to take game one. But Philly's just too loaded. Uh, you know, they got MB, they got Dwight coming off the bench. They're probably the best defensive team in the NBA with Simmons and Feibel and Shake Milton and all the guys that they can throw at you. They got great shooters. And then they have the coach to go with it. Doc Rivers obviously won a championship. So Philly's really, really good. I'm excited the Wizards are in, though, because like we were talking with West, they got two superstars. Mm-hmm. And in the playoffs, I mean, you just, you just, right, you never know how that's going to turn out, especially if Brad and Russ can get hot. It'll be a fun series. I'm sure the NBA is happy the Wizards made it because it'll be a lot more eyeballs on them playing Philly than Indiana would because of Russ and Brad. Um, but, yeah, I think the Wizards actually playing Philly works out better for them than if they would have beat Boston and gotten Brooklyn. I don't think they beat Philly, but it works out better for them, I think. The best all. part of this is that we get to see – Russ against Embiid and that very, yeah. very deep they don't like each other. rivalry at it for however many games. Uh, I agree with you. Like It's better to get Philly than Brooklyn, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards won a game or two. I would be stunned if they won the series. Yes. That would be wild. Yes. But I wouldn't be surprised if they won a game. No, or they could win. Like, they could win one. This is, yeah. this is, as the cliche goes, this is not your father's Wizards team. Like, this is, you know – this is a team that has two superstars. And for all we talked about with Wes, you know, a little, a little thing here, a little thing there, you know, Brad was nicked up at some points during the season. Russ started the season getting back to full health. Then they had the COVID shutdown. Then they had to play a ton of games in such a short span. When that dust all finally settled, that Brad was back healthy, that Russ was back healthy and playing back-to-backs, and they didn't have to play as many games in as short a span because they had already made up their games they missed from COVID. When all that dust settled, they won 16 of their last 22 games. Okay, that's pretty impressive. And they did it against some good competition. And like you highlighted in the trivia question to Wes, their losses were in overtime by well, one they point. They could have won 20 in a points. row. It's they could have won 20 in a row. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. So this is a team with two superstars 
to see what Daniel Gafford ever since the trade deadline, who has been immense yeah, really good. down in the paint. So they could, hit, you know, Bertans gets hot, they can hit some threes. They'll win a game or two. They won't win the series. That would stun me. But again, this is not a typical eight seed. If they were, if they had the health and Gafford the whole season instead of towards the end and after dealing all they had to deal with, they're probably playing the Knicks in the four or five game. Um, Again, though, you're not beating – you're probably not beating the Sixers. You have do to you have think Doc Rivers go your way puts and... Simmons on Beal, or do you think he puts him on Westbrook? I think he puts Simmons on Westbrook. I would agree. And I think he le- leaves Beal for Harris and for the other guys, Danny Green, throw him on, I guess. I don't know. I mean, you start cycling guys around to Beal. But I think you have to shut down Westbrook just because Westbrook's not the scorer that Beal is. But Westbrook is the facilitator. So if you shut him down, all right, you've probably taken his 20-ish to 30-ish points away down to the, maybe the teens. So that in and of itself is a big deal. But now, you know, the 15 assists he had last night against the Pacers, if Simmons is up on him and shut him down, maybe that number drops to like eight. So now you're taking a guy who's scoring, you know, 26 with 14 assists and you're shutting him down to – 14 points and eight assists. That's a massive difference on the scoreboard. So I think he goes that route. I agree. Uh, the team I mean, goes as way, Russ you know, goes. I yeah, mean, yeah. he had that triple double streak during that win streak and they were winning like every game against Boston. He was not good. And the wizards were not good. So right. I'm with you. I think and last night he wasn't his best. He was good. I mean, he had 18 points, 15, right. uh, 15 assists. Didn't get a triple double, which for him is a big deal. Not to get a triple double. We get it every night. Uh, so he wasn't at his peak Form, I don't think nah, it's the Pacers, but, they, didn't but be. they were in cruise control. They were in cruise control right. the last quarter. They'll need so. him to be, though, against Philly. He'll they need will. to be – he might need to be, like, 20-20-20, Russ. They will. They will. The All right, enough enough of the Wizards, though, as much as we love it and it's fun. At the end of the day, this is a 1-8 matchup, and we know yeah. how 1-8 matchups historically go in the NBA. But, again, not your traditional eight seed, so we'll see if they can steal a game or two. Um, assuming Golden State tonight beats Memphis, we recorded with Wes on Thursday. We're recording our bit on Friday. We're releasing for you Saturday morning. Just pulling back the curtain a little bit. But assuming Golden State beats Memphis, for everybody that was complaining about the play-in tournament like we talked about with Wes, the seven seed became the seven seed. The eight seed became the eight seed in both conferences. So we arrived right where we would have started, and we got a whole extra month of entertaining basketball instead because teams mm-hmm. were trying to avoid the play-in. Right. So for, for LeBron saying whoever came up with it should have gotten fired, Whoever came up with it needs a raise in my eyes, and this thing is not going anywhere. I hope this is here to stay permanent. Same. And the best thing, thank God the Lakers didn't lose, because if the NBA would have lost LeBron uh, to the playing game, if they would have lost to Golden State and would have lost tonight, this would have been the end of the playing game. But the Lakers won. They got the seven seed, so I'm with you. I think it'll be here to stay. And I'm glad because the NBA, they need the regular season to matter more. It just, it just doesn't. And, and look at the Nets. I mean, the Nets played like eight total games with their big three or nine total games with all their big three in action. And, okay, a lot of, some of it was real injuries. It was a real hamstring tweak for Harden. But the sense around reporters for the KD injury was that he could have come back a lot sooner. But the Nets sat back and said, you know, why bother? I mean, we have these other guys. We're cruising. We're on our way to the second seed or the one seed. We know it don't matter too much in the end. Sure, it'd be nice to avoid the Bucks until the third round, but the Knicks aren't going to be an easy test. The Hawks, I think, be an easy test for the for Brooklyn. But 
you know, they didn't care. They didn't care. And they might go on and win the championship with the big three they have having only played eight or nine regular season games together. So right. it still doesn't totally matter, but if you could make it matter anymore, it's a home run. And they did. And they did. I mean, the, la- the whole last month of the year, you know, when, when Luca or Kawhi or uh, any of the guys, Lillard doesn't really load manage. He plays every night, but any of those guys who typically might load manage thought about it, they're like, oh, actually, no, we can't. We got to win this game to make sure we stay up above that seven line. So you made the last month of the season more interesting and you gave us better basketball. How many great games did we see on ESPN, on TNT, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights? Because it was uh, the fifth seed Dallas Mavericks against the sixth seed Portland Trailblazers, where in a normal year, they're like, meh, if I take the five or you take the six, don't really matter. They were going at it deep into the fourth quarter. Every possession counts because they don't want to fall to the seventh seed. So yeah. everything about it was great. Everything. I'm with it. you. Uh, all right. So let's go through each of these series and just give our winners real quick. So we each like Philly to beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Four, five, Knicks, Hawks. The Hawks are actually the betting favorite, even though they're the five seed and the Knicks are the four. But who do you like? I put money on the Knicks in that series. I did too. They were the underdog. Atlanta, they're more talented than people realize. And ever since they made the coaching change, they've come alive. Mm. Um, they have the pieces to beat the Knicks, of course. Uh, Trey Young leading the way. Kevin Herter has been exactly what they hoped he would be. Shout out Maryland ever since they drafted him. Um, they have plenty of pieces. And they're going to be a force in the years to come. They're reminding me of the Nets before the Nets got all their guys, where they just slowly built, slowly accrued talent. And now they're ready, and it's just a matter of can they land the bigger fish in free agency uh, to take that next step. But the Knicks, just the way they work so hard and the way they – I mean, they will just shut you down defensively. The way they've been so successful at home this year, having home court, Julius Randle has low-key been an MVP candidate. He's not a finalist. He's going to probably get some votes, Um, but – the way he's played, he's clearly the most improved player this season. Beyond that, R.J. Barrett has really stepped up. They are really, really deep, especially defensively. And that identity they take on with Thibodeau, like it's going to maybe be a, a six or seven game grinder. But in that type of series, I'm taking the hardworking, talented Knicks team over a little bit more finesse-based Hawks team that relies on their shooting, relies on their skill. Give me the hard-nosed New York squad if this series goes six or seven. I just love that New York is a city of glamour and money and bright lights, and the Knicks could not be the opposite of that. They are just like this gritty, grindy team. Randall's a superstar, but like he's obviously not the face of the NBA. But like you said, they just play as a team. They might be the most connected team in the NBA. They just mesh so well together. And they're just kind of built for the playoffs. Like, they're a good defensive team. They play all their regular season games, it seems like, in the high 90s or low 100s. They're built to play in the half court. And with Tibbs' playoff experience and Julius Randle just having that body in the playoffs when the game slows down – I mean, that'll be huge. They obviously got Derrick Rose there, too, and, and some other veteran guys. So good for the Knicks, man. I can't wait for that first game against the Hawks. The Garden's going to be rocking the first couple days. So it'll be exciting. I like the Knicks, too. Atlanta's great. Trey Young's really good. Herter's good. They can shoot the heck out of the ball. 
Capella, it can just beat you down low. But uh, I'm with you. I like I like the Knicks. Too, they doubled their win total for the preseason. It was 22. They doubled it. It just about doubled it. And Great. That's, to me, that's Tibbs has to win Coach of the Year. It. Exactly. Because of that and because Tibbs is probably going to be the Coach of the Year, I can't pick against them in the first round. No, I, like I don't too. know. I, I was very surprised to see that the Hawks were the betting favorites in the series. Not only because of the fact that I think the Knicks are the better team and it's a good matchup, just because of the fact that you know how lines work, PJ. Why are the Cowboys always maybe – have better odds than they should, or, or it's closer weekly on the spread because team public people, team p- people just bet the marquee team. Yeah. So considering the fact that the Knicks, I think, are better and they have home court, and that you figure they're a marquee they're the pub- team, they're the public team that people are going to throw some money on for fun. I was stunned to see they were the underdogs here. Stunned. Yeah, I, I was a little too. I mean, especially the fact they have the home court too. If Atlanta was the four seed, I could totally see it, but. The Knicks have been tough to beat at home this season. They're going to have a great home court advantage, and I'm with you. It's not like the Hawks have playoff experience with this group of team, with Joe Johnson and Josh oh, Smith and team, all guys. Yeah. They made it all the <laughs> that time. Wasn't, that wasn't playoff experience you wanted, though. That was you know, the team that, was that was first round of But this team, no, I'm with you. I like the Knicks, too. The 3-6, though, to me, this is the best first-round series other than Lakers-Suns is, uh, is Bucks heat just because, I mean, Milwaukee's got to be thinking to themselves, are you kidding me? Miami's a six this year. This is the team we have to play in the first round. Jimmy Butler, I saw a stat the other day that he has not played against, like, any of the top teams in the East this season very often. So, you know, Miami, obviously, they've seen uh, Milwaukee see Miami a bunch this year, and they played them last year in the postseason, but – I mean, Joe, I'm with you. Milwaukee, eventually, I just I trust them to figure it out. I love the addition of P.J. Tucker. You need a guy like that on your team that they've been missing in the postseason. Drew Holiday, I think, uh, meshes well. Be able to guard Hero and Butler and some of those guards. And, uh, you know, again, they continue to add shooting around Giannis because of the attraction that he draws with DiVincenzo and Lopez. Um and I think it helps Milwaukee that they're they're going to be at home, not being in the bubble, the fact that they'll be playing in Milwaukee and then they'll have to travel to Miami, but they get the home court. Um, I like the Bucks. I think this series goes six, uh, possibly seven, but oh, wow. I do like I do like Milwaukee. Yeah, th- these last two series in the East, I don't have a ton to say about because I think they're going to be very, very easy series for the higher-seeded really? teams. And I, I, that's that's a bold thing to say because I think – like you, a lot of people think it's going to be interesting. I think this is Milwaukee's coming out party. Mm-hmm. Like for everything you said, what they've finally built around Giannis um, and their redemption arc of, of what happened last year against the Heat. I think they win this series five games. I think they lose one of the ones in Miami just because, you know, it's tough to sweep a team, especially a team with such a gritty DNA like the Heat. Uh, but I think they win five. And same thing with Brooklyn against the Celtics. We've seen so many holes in the Celtics this year. Jason Tatum's a superstar. He is a bona fide superstar. He is, he is continuing to get better and better. And I think he'll probably, against a shoddy at best Brooklyn defense, he'll probably drop 50 in a game again like he did against the Wizards. And they'll probably steal a game. Uh, but I'm taking Brooklyn in five. I just think with, with all their guys back out there um, after kind of, you know, wavering through the home stretch of the season 
I think they come out and remind people like, yeah, we got K- Kyrie, KD, and Harden. We're not going to have much trouble until the finals. So <laughs> I you think know, they come out and remind people. So I think both of those series are, are done in five games. Wes likes Philly, and a lot of people do, but I'm with you. I like the Nets to come out of the East. I just – with that offensive firepower, I mean, I just – I don't see how they lose. You – defensively, I mean, how do you stop that? And the oh, thing is – I don't like the Nets to come out of the East. Oh, really? I, I, just, I was I was talking as the main popular thing. I'll, oh. I'll, you'll get into my pick in the East in a minute. It's wow, okay. I, I stand I corrected. Think they are, I think they're going to remind people who they are until a certain point. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think this is a full, this is a sweep, if not a gentleman's sweep, because of TD Garden and because of how good Tatum is, he might be good enough to get you one game, but that's about it. That'll be a quick series. All right, West, uh, Jazz Warriors and Suns Lakers. That's got to be probably two of the most intriguing one eight two seven matchups we've had in the same Man, year. So good. Um, you talked about it with with West. How odd is it that the underdogs and sleepers are the one and two seed and the favorite is the seven seed. Yeah. That's probably never happened before. Like big favorite. LA is, I think, like minus 300 or something. So That's, that's ridiculous. Man, um, I'll be rooting for the Suns just like all of America will be. It'd be great to see them beat the Lakers, but I just – I don't see it. I, I, I see think, it. you know, with, with Chris Paul's leadership, with the talent they have, they will take a game or two. But oh yeah, I think it goes six, maybe even seven. Yeah, but I, I do think the Lakers come through in the end. Of course, um, this Suns team is similar to what we said with the Hawks, where the Hawks are maybe a year or two away if they could finally land a bigger piece. The Suns are a year ahead of that, but they're not there yet. I don't think. I think they just need another year um, to develop and marinate a little bit more. Just you know, all those all those guys who are young stars getting a year older will help them where they don't necessarily need an acquisition like the Hawks, I think do they got their veteran in Paul. They have a superstar in the making and Devin Booker who is right at that level with Jason Tatum, where not talked about enough, but a superstar. Um, and, and, you know, beyond that eight and, and, and all those guys, I think as they age another year, they get better. They get this valuable playoff experience against the Lakers. We talk about the more seriously next year. But for now, I mean, give me the Lakers in like six, but uh, it, it'll be it's very tough, interesting to see. Because nobody outside of Chris Paul really on that team in Phoenix has playoff experience. Exactly. Aiton doesn't, Booker doesn't, Bridges doesn't. That's why this year is so important to set up next year. Right. And it'll be great for him. I mean, and look, you can't ask for anything. I mean, you're going against Mr. Playoffs and LeBron who makes it in the finals every year. So they're going to get a taste of what it feels like. The crowd in Phoenix is going to be rocking. It's crazy. The Lakers are the huge betting favorites, but Phoenix is actually favored to win game one. I think a lot of that has to do with how the Lakers looked against Golden State for a lot of that game. Um, But, yeah, game one's going to be big. Phoenix needs to win that. They need to give themselves some confidence. They obviously need to maintain home court because if they do that, they'll win the series. But – Game one is just so huge for them because if they lose that, then they think, oh, we're going to have to take a game from the Lakers. We lost them in game one. And then those young guys, you just don't know how that's going to affect them. So game one will be huge in that series. I hope the the Suns can take a couple games from them because they're a really good team. They had a great season. Good for them, too. They carried that 8-0 season they had in the bubble into this season with Chris Paul, and they just had a phenomenal year. 
So hopefully they'll they'll give the Lakers all they can handle. But LA is just they're too much. They they got they're healthy. They got everybody back, and this is what they've been playing for is the playoffs. Right. So. And for anybody who is listening very closely to what you just said, PJ, if you're thinking about betting this, wait a game. Like you said, the Suns are the favorites in game one. If they go on and do what they're expected to do and win game one, all of a sudden the Lakers aren't as heavy favorites to win the series. Right. So you go ahead and you bet them to win the series after game one if you, like Vegas, think the Suns can take at least game one. I agree. Uh, another good matchup, the 3-6 Denver-Portland. I'm probably in the minority. I bet Denver to win this series. And a lot of it's just because – I know Portland's going to be the sexy sleeper team in the West and how many people love Dame and CJ and Jamal Murray's out. But look, Denver made the Western Conference final last year. They're a playoff team. Jokic is going to win MVP. Michael Porter Jr. might win most improved player. They're, I mean, they're, they're just, they've been playing well without Murray and I understand his loss is obviously going to hurt them really bad in the playoffs, but Denver's got home court. They, 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 it seems like they match up with Portland every year in the playoffs. These teams know each other well. They went seven games a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic. Uh, so it'll be a great, a great series. Great series, too, with Lillard, uh, yeah. Lillard at the end. Yep. They had like a double or triple overtime game in Portland, one of those games. Great series. I hate betting against Dame because he's just such a good closer down the stretch. Um, but – I'm rolling with Denver just because I know Portland's definitely going to be the trendy pick in this series and possibly a trendy Western Conference sleeper team. So I like the Nuggets even without Murray. I think they beat Portland in a seven-game series. I think Portland gets through. Um, If this team had Murray, we're still talking about them as title contenders, I think. Now, they still have plenty of talent around that that you can't sleep on. Jokic, Gordon, all these guys. Um, they have the experience from getting in that deep run last year. But, of course, it didn't, you know, in, in the end, they couldn't make it all the way, of course, against the Lakers. But I just think it's too much to overcome now in the postseason against an opponent that has the experience of beating you at this juncture of the season. Like you said, a couple of years ago in a great series, when it comes down to a series like this, I'm taking the best player on the court. And that best player on the court, even though Jokic is the MVP, is Damian Lillard. He's going to put up 35 to 40 a game. We saw what he – we've seen what he can do in the playoffs and just how he is in crunch time, of course, it's Dame time. And I just can't pick against it. If it's trendy, um, so be it. It doesn't affect my bracket overall beyond the first round because – I got either team losing the Lakers, but uh, it'll be a very, very fun series to watch. Of all the series, this one maybe is probably talked about, I think, the least, but it will be a very fun series to watch. Very fun. The 4-5 I don't think is going to be all that fun. Uh, It's it's a sexy matchup because it's the Clippers versus Dallas and it's Luka versus Kawhi and Paul George, but I think the Clippers are on a mission this year. Getting Rajon Rondo was so big for that team. They had a bulldog in Pat Beverly, but they needed a, a floor general and a leader and a guy to get in Paul George's ear when he's not playing well to just tell him to keep his head up and keep going. Because Kawhi, you know, he's so quiet, he doesn't do that. But now they have that coach on the floor. Rondo helped the Lakers win a title last year. I think he's going to be so crucial for the Clippers. And, uh, 
Luka Magic's a real thing. They got two games off the Clippers last year. But uh, it, it's just – it's a tough matchup for Dallas facing the Clippers again. I just – you know, if they were playing Portland or Denver, I think they, they had a very good chance of winning that series. But playing the Clippers is just – it's a tough task. They could win two games. I think this is going to be a five-game series, but I like the Clips to beat Dallas. Yeah, and similar to what we said about um, uh, the Bucks series against the Heat. Now, the Clippers didn't lose to the Mavericks last year. But it's just a team that is trying to get over that hump. And I think they get over that hump this year. Uh, it starts in this series. And I think, I think this series goes a little bit further than people think. I don't know what the consensus is. If some think it's five, if some think it's six. I think it probably ends up around six. Um, just because of the fact that it might take a game for the Clippers to really flip that switch. Think about last year going over to the NHL when the Lightning were taken to five overtimes against the Blue Jackets in that first game. And then it finally clicked, and then they just ran roughshod over everybody from there. Um, they might take a game early in the series. Dallas, they might fight for one with their back against the wall later on in the series. But those will be the only two they get. Uh, the, the Dallas team reminds me, honestly, of the Wizards in the sense that had the Wizards not had all those issues throughout the year, they probably end up at the five seed like Dallas and think of what the issues are for the wizards and what the issues are for Dallas. It's consistency. There's going to be nights where they're going to put up like 130, 140. There's going to be nights where they come out there and lose by 30 points, exactly like the wizards did in each of the play in games. We saw the two sides of the wizards and we've seen that all year long with the Mavericks as well, where they'll come out and lose to a, a team like Memphis or a team that is on the outside looking into the postseason by 20 points, they come out and lose to Sacramento in a high scoring game. And then they come back and they look like a title contender. So they're a team that needs to develop more of a consistency that they don't have yet. Uh, and it keeps them from winning the series, but the Clippers don't lose a game or two, but it, it'll, it, you know, PJ sometimes series, it might go six, but it never really felt like it was a six game series. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. That's what I see here. Like, it might go six, but it might be one to one and then three to one and then three to two before the Clippers win it. But they'll like, it'll feel like they'll have all their games in hand and Dallas will have to fight tooth and nail to just steal those two games. So it'll, it might go six, but it'll always feel like the Clippers have it in control. I'm with you. All right. So what's your uh, picks? to uh, make it to the finals. Yeah, so 1-8, um, we didn't get to 1-8 uh, Utah oh, yeah, and Golden Utah. State. I, I think Golden State takes a game or two, same thing, but Utah is just overly slept on. It's ridiculous, like Wes said, that the number one seed in the West is probably the biggest sleeper in the West, but they can score, they can defend. Mitchell is on his way to superstardom as well. Gobert, for all the things that people say about him, like, oh, he wasn't worth the contract, he can't score, this and that. He can defend, and he can sneakily score. Um, so I think they have little trouble with the Warriors. Steph will steal a game himself. He might steal two games himself. But just like that Clippers-Maverick series, even if it goes six because Steph steals a game or two, it'll never feel like it's in doubt for the Jazz as the series goes along. So I got Utah, and I think you do as well. I have Utah, and I just keep thinking, as entertaining as to see who comes out of the West will be, man, if Clay Thompson was healthy oh. on the Warriors. 
I mean, you had enough. They might honestly be my pick. The way if Steph was playing this way with Clay doing what he normally does, they'd probably be my pick. And it's just it's such a shame that we haven't seen him play for a couple of years now. But Steph's cooking. You're right. It's a it's a lot like Tatum. And just I mean, when Steph gets hot, he can give you 50 easy, and he's good enough to get you a game or two. Utah's the real deal, though. I mean, this is a team that keeps getting better and better and better every year. Mitchell and Gobert get better every year. Jordan Clarkson's probably going to win sixth man of the year. They got scoring. They got defense. Quinn Snyder's a really good coach. And they're Quinn at Snyder home. is the name that honestly should be in the mix more than, than it has been for coach of the year. I think people disregard it because of the talent he has. But taking this team to the one seed this year is very impressive. And, again, they have talent. But would you say anybody on their team is a superstar? I mean, Mitchell's getting there. I wouldn't put him in the category of Jason Tatum yet or, you know, I think Devin Booker's ahead of him. I don't know if he's a superstar yet. Yeah, he's an all-star, but he's I don't an think he's a superstar. Right. Go- Gobert is, is an all-world defensive player, but he's not a superstar. Nah. So the fact that he doesn't have a quote-unquote superstar in a league full of them and took him to the one seed, he deserves a little bit more credit, I think, than he gets. Obviously, it should be – Thibodeau, you know, Monty Williams, obviously a, a big one as well. But yeah. Snyder, I think you look at it and disregard it because of the one seed. But he's instrumental in getting them to that one seed. He is. And they've had a great year. And it's huge for them that uh, that the playoffs will be at these teams' home courts. So they get that Utah crowd. I think they're going to have like 70% capacity for and these we're games. There. <laughs> we're almost there. Like we said a couple of weeks ago, if the Wizards – well, maybe not the Wizards, but if the Capitals can get through – and get to well, June. not the caps either, but yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. We'll see, we'll see. But uh, if the They're caps done. get through to June, Capital One goes up to 100%. I don't think yeah. so. I threw, I very confidently, maybe stupidly, threw money on them on the live series. Yeah, that was very stupidly, um, Joe. You can, I can tell. I, with the caps. I still, I'm still very much on board on caps in seven. They win game four tonight, uh, they win game. They win game five at home. They lose game six on the road. They win at home in seven. I think See, I do think team. they. I, I think, I think they win the better tonight. team, and they've had some bad breaks. You saw the goal that was scored in double overtime. Um, they're the better team. They've had bad breaks. They've had to start three different goalies. In but the that's first three capital games. playoff hockey. I mean, oh, bad no, breaks has been the to, story of their. They've had to start three goalies in three games. You get Samsonov out there, who was absurdly good. He was before that one mistake. Yes, he was I great. think he could steal you this series back. So. Uh, that's our little hockey talk today because it's it's an NBA focus. Go. NBA yes. focus the playoffs starting, but that's our little. Uh, no, I'm with you. I like today. Utah though. Um, I still like the Lakers to come out of the West though. Until somebody can beat them, that's my pick. And I'm going chalk. And I'm not a chalk guy, but I like Brooklyn versus the Lakers. Philly's really good. Milwaukee's really good. But uh, those three stars on Brooklyn, man, I can see somebody beating them twice, maybe three times, four times. Can't see it. So those uh, those are my picks, and then, ooh, I haven't actually thought about who I would like to win against Brooklyn and the Lakers. I I'm gonna go with Brooklyn, and I All think right. and I think Kyrie's the difference to me. Other than Damian Lillard, if there's anybody in the league I want the ball in the hands in coming down the stretch, it's Kyrie. Kind of like Wes was talking about, Kyrie just has that it to him, like he's gonna make the big shot. And, and then obviously if he doesn't, well, you got Durant there and you got Harden there. They're just too good offensively. And the thing that nobody talks about is they probably have the best three-point shooter in the league in Joe Harris, 
So you have all three of those guys you got to deal with. And, oh, you forget about Joe Harris. He'll just hit a couple threes on you. Um, so they're just, this is what they've been playing for. Steve Nash not having that experience does worry me a little bit, but they're just – they're too talented offensively. And I think it's they funny. All. It's funny. We talk about that scenario in our Swift 7 with Wes. Um, if you're Steve Nash, who are you drawing up a play for in the end? I could absolutely see a scenario in which we get a Steve Kerr moment when Jordan passed over to him and he hit the shot. I can totally see that happening this Harris. year where it's Joe Harris because <laughs> everybody's cheating on the other guys and Joe Harris sitting there alone in the corner just pulls up, knocks it down. Dude, I that absolutely can see that happening. Oh my God. Uh, I've been thinking about that all season long. Everybody keeps asking, oh, who takes the last shot? It's going to wind up being it's Joe Harris call. knocking down it a three. absolutely <laughs> could be. That's a great call. Um, yeah. so I, I'm not going chalk. I'm not going chalk. I said – I misspoke before when I was saying, you know, I, I meant it more in the general sense of the public size that the Nets are going to remind people that they're just going through to the finals. I don't got them getting past Milwaukee. I think it's a really yeah. good matchup for the Bucs. I think, I think the Bucs can neutralize Brooklyn. We saw them play a couple of really good games down the stretch of the regular season, back-to-back games. Um, I really do think this is a year about teams getting over the hump who maybe didn't do what they wanted to in the bubble. So I got the Bucs beating Brooklyn. And I got the Bucks in a hard-fought seven-game series over the Sixers. Um, but obviously the biggest test is first getting past Brooklyn. I just think they have what it takes defensively of any team to shut down Brooklyn and then have also the offensive firepower to keep up with them. I think the Sixers defensively can stop and slow down Brooklyn, but I don't trust the Sixers offensively to go blow for blow with them like I do the Bucks. So I think the Bucs win that in, in seven games. I think the Bucs beat the Sixers in seven games and make it to the final. Um, I think an L.A. team makes it. I think we finally get that L.A.-L.A. matchup in the conference final. I'm going with the Clippers. Like I said, a year of teams from last year getting over the hump. You touched on it with, with Rajon Rondo, how big he is getting, the, getting him back. Um, because of the load management and stuff during the regular season, we forget just how different Kawhi is in the postseason and what he did taking the Raptors to that title. Um, I think they get past the Mavs, like I said. Uh, I think they get past the Jazz in five or six. I think they, they handle the Jazz more easily than people think. Uh, and then I think they win in six or seven against the Lakers. I just think the Lakers, they have some holes. They're going to get into a rhythm through their first two series where they're going to be a much better team come the final, uh, conference finals than they are in the first round just because they're going to start getting back into that rhythm with LeBron playing, with AD playing. I just don't trust them both to stay healthy. Um, LeBron has said he's not 100% with the ankle. He's already tweaked it twice since he initially heard it. Uh, We've seen Anthony Davis go out a couple times with back issues. If they stay healthy, I still have the Clippers regardless. But on top of that, I don't trust them to stay healthy. So I got Clippers and Bucks. Um, and in that series, I, I, have, I have the Giannis breakthrough. I'm feeling wow. the Giannis breakthrough this year. I think he, he's a guy who has really put his head down and gotten better, and they've gotten better around him with the shooters, with Holiday, Tucker. I, I think they've gotten better around him where he can finally now get them over the hump. Um, it's it's going to be fun. I mean, there's, this is the first time in a, in a little bit in the NBA – you know, how, how many years in a row was it where we were like, all right, so we know it's going to be Warriors against LeBron, um, but let's see what happens around it. 
this year, maybe for the first time in quite a bit. Yeah, it's, know, man. Yeah, no, it's good. Would it would it surprise you if it was Sixers Lakers? Would it surprise you if it was Brooklyn Lakers or Bucks Lakers? Would it surprise you if it was any of those teams against the Clippers? Would it surprise you if it was any of those teams against the Jazz as the one seed? Maybe that would be a little more surprising. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're the one seed. So I think there's there's genuinely three teams in both conferences where you wouldn't at all be surprised if it was some permutation of those six teams meeting in the final. Right. I'm with you. No, and the NBA needs that because that's been the biggest knock on the league is there's no parity. You got the NHL playoffs going on right now, and we both talk about how great that postseason is and just all the chaos that ensues in that tournament. And in the NBA, really, that doesn't happen. Everybody's going to have the same six teams advancing to the second round, and then it's about finding, you know, in those four, five, three, six matchups, who's going to win maybe. Mm -hmm. But it's good when you get into the later rounds. I'm with you. And, look, even if Phoenix pulls off the upset against the Lakers, Phoenix could beat the winner of Denver or Portland. And then if they get matched up with Utah, they could beat Utah and go. So I'm with you. There's there's a lot of different things that could happen. Uh, Milwaukee's interesting. I hope you're right. I love Giannis. I'd love to see him break through and win it, but uh, man, I mean, for him to get through Miami, Brooklyn, and Philly, he would it's, have it's more, it. Yeah, and it's, then it's the Clippers, God on me. bless him. It's more contingent on me thinking that they get past the Heat a lot easier than people imagine. So, Because I think a lot of people think the Heat series is going to take a lot out of the Bucks, yeah. and because it's going to take a lot out of them, Brooklyn beats them. But I think they get through in like five. So they're fresh and they match up with Brooklyn. So that's the only reason I'm going with it. All right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, before we talk about the PGA Championship, which is going on right now, just a little baseball talk because, my God, baseball, there's been a <laughs> lot going on. First of uh, all, there's a no-hitter every night. Which every is night. Awesome every night. to watch. <laughs> um, and then we have Tony LaRusa just being an absolute idiot. But the MLB no-hitters is crazy. So what are they up to now? Six? Seven? Six. Six, six already after the tigers guy turnbill threw one what's crazy about Corey the six, Kluber, the next and then Kluber night threw one right the back next to back night. nights what's crazy about the no hitters is that there's been six total four of them have come from two teams the rangers and the mariners have gotten yeah. no hit twice so whatever the al west is doing out there just do the opposite because the you're mariners hitting are batting 199 as a team this season that's just so if you want I, the, you know what i did the as soon as that game ended against the Tigers the other night, I went the to over? see. I know I went to see if the Mets played uh, the, the Mariners this year. We don't. Oh, we don't because man, I was. And I was, the Groms, they'll oh, get they'll get twelve that. hits off the Grom because that's that's how baseball works. Uh, I guess. But oh my God! Speaking of that, before we get to Larusa, you saw uh, the, the the Palm Beach Cardinals. Yeah, I tweeted at you help. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, they said send help because the Grom was pitching in Low A St. Lucie for the Mets' rehab start. PJ he threw forty one pitches. He gave up zero hits through three innings. He ate eight of the nine outs he recorded were Strike strikeouts out. on 41 pitches. I want to know who the kid is that didn't strike <laughs> out because that is that impressive. That kid needs an MLB contract immediately. <laughs> me and uh, me and Ryan Warmly, who's a good friend of the pod, as people who listen know, we talk about all the time how there's this notion that like normal people can hit major league pitchers. And I know DeGrom's like the best, but he still, he's a major league pitcher. So I hope people could kind of see last night that single A ball, there are some people that play in single A ball that make it to the majors. So, you know, they're going to have to face a DeGrom type every once in a while. 
and, and you see what he did. So if these are single A guys who were great in college, made it to the professional ranks, even though they're in the minors, and they can't even touch them, how no do you shot. think you're going to wake up you out of no bed shot. and hit somebody like that? I mean, you got no shot. Absolutely so no shot. I just now what, what players can do is hit position players, and that sparked yeah, the thing with Larusa this week. So, all right, there's many pieces to this. I could see Larusa being upset at what your mean Mercedes did, swinging 3-0 against a position player with two outs in the ninth in an 11 run ball game. I could see his frustration. Um, I'll get to his bit in a moment. Me personally, I had no issue with it. Um, I, because I hate, as fun as it is to see, I hate when teams pitch position players. I know why they're doing it, but it's a sport that doesn't have a clock. And if you do that, you could just make things get even worse for you because that guy is going to walk how many batters. That guy is just serving up lollipops to players. And I guess there's this, you know, old school mutual respect where the batters don't come up swinging for the fences. But I don't think that's fair because baseball is such a statistically driven sport where, you know, we talk about a guy being, being a 30 home run guy. You mean Mercedes, if he doesn't hit that home run, maybe he ends up the season at 29. And, and then when we're talking about the, the 30 home or 90 RBI guys at the end of the year, he's on the conversation. Mm-hmm. So you can't ask guys to come up there and just take it easy because it's a position player. So, no, it's your fault for throwing a position player. As fun as it is to see, and as much as the MLB cut four Twitter account like has that thread all season long of position players pitching, it's fun, but I don't like it, and I don't care if, if players go ahead and hit it. Then there's the swinging 3-0 part. Um, in that situation in the last 20 years, 577 batters have come up at a 3-0 count. None of them have ever swung at the pitch. Uh, so that was a different wrinkle. Again... I have never been anti-swinging 3-0 because why are you letting the pitcher back into the count? And now it's 3-1. to one. It's okay to hit a homer on 3-1, but it's not okay to hit it on 3-0. There's just too many unwritten rules of respect in baseball that are way out of hand. So I have no problem with what Mercedes did. Um, I also have no problem with Larusa thinking what he did was wrong because you could look at it through to- two totally different viewpoints. That's fine. We can differ in opinion. That's what makes the world go around. And Larusa has his school of thought. I have mine. But where the line was way crossed by Larusa, the Twins didn't initially take issue with it. It seemed, and reporters Jeff Pass and these guys were saying it. It almost seemed like the Twins only got mad after Larusa came out and told them they should be mad. Right. And then they throw at Mercedes. And then the next after that game, Larusa comes out and says. Yeah, I think they were justified. You absolutely cannot come out and say that it was justified for the opposition to throw at your player. I mean, I thought that was going to spark a mutiny in, in, in the clubhouse. You got guys who are saying, damn, Skip, you don't got our back. Like, I don't care if you don't agree with what we did, but don't encourage the other team throwing at us. Right. Well, that and then he, he told reporters after the game that he was going to punish Mercedes, like, jokingly. That, uh, you know, he'd put, there'd be a punishment within the White Sox family. But I'm with you. I mean, the comment he made about, like, yeah, they threw at him and I had no problem with it. It was warranted. You can't like, say that. You can't do it. Doing? I love the point, though, you bring up about baseball having no clock. Because that's been my thing. This all was sparked by Tatis or earlier in the year. And now we're getting to this. And my whole thing is... In football, you can take a knee to run out the clock. In basketball, you can dribble out the clock. In baseball, you have to keep pitching. 
So if guys are going to continue to pitch, how are you going to tell the hitters not to hit? I get it's 3-0, all right? But like you said, there could be a guy looking to get that home run. How about a guy who's slumping? And that one hit, even if it's off a position player, could spark him. Like, if you're going to throw a position player and you were bad enough to be trailing by 11, suck it up. This yeah, isn't I, middle school or high school baseball where there's mercy rules. This well, is I was just going to say that. We got to keep playing. I was just going to say that, and, and this was a good illustration of it. I've always supported, personally, a mercy rule in the majors, but not one where it's like a hard and fast thing. A rule where the team can concede if they, like, if it's, like, like this situation was, it's mid-May. They're not, they don't want to go deeper into their bullpen. I like that. They, they don't want to throw position players out there because it's just going to make the game longer and waste everybody's time. At the same time, you don't want the other team to come up there and just make outs on, on purpose because it tanks their stats. Just if it's, if it's the eighth inning or later and it's a, it's, it's a deficit of eight or more runs, give the team that's losing the option to call it. I don't think anybody would complain about it at all. Um, I say give them the option because if it's the last week of September, their odds of coming back down eight runs with two innings to go are slim to none. Right. But you got to fight till the end if, you're, if your playoff life is on the line. So that's why I say give the team that's trailing the option. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams take the option, eighth inning or later, because you don't want to cheat the fans. But at the same token, if it's an 11-run game in the last two innings, are you really cheating the fans? How many of those fans have already long left the stadium? So I don't think you're cheating the fans. Um, eighth inning or later, eight runs or more. You have the team that's trailing the option to concede. Everybody's happy. I'm with you. I'm with you. I just, yeah, LaRusse's comments to just say the Twins, you know, they didn't throw at his head, but they threw at his feet. So that's we, okay. We can't see. What are you doing? We, we're seeing players unable to throw strikes. And that's Kevin Pillar after he got hit in the face this past week, which was terrible oh, to see. Yeah, um, terrible. He came out, they asked him, like, why is this more prevalent? We saw Bryce Harper get hit in the face. We've seen more guys getting hit left and right. And Pilar put it so well, so simply. I never thought of it this way. Probably should have. Maybe I'm stupid. or Maybe other people haven't seen it this way either. They prioritize velocity now in the MLB. And they'll try to teach the control later. And because of that, you're seeing all these, these hit batsmen. Because they have this, the heat. They don't have the control. So you want a guy like LaRusso suggested, who probably can throw hard but doesn't have the control to try to hit a specific body part, he can't hit the strike zone. I know. He's not going to hit a specific body part. He's going to aim for the left butt cheek, and he's going to hit the guy in the left hand <laughs> and break his wrist, and he's out for a month. You know, right. No, just, just no. If you want to throw behind him, it's still not good. But if you're going to throw it way behind him where you're not going to hit him and you send a message like he did to Mercedes, that's more acceptable. But I still am not a fan of using a baseball at 100 miles an hour as a weapon and injuring guys. It's yeah, just, I mean, it can acidized. legit kill somebody. So I'd rather you step off the mound and settle it like hockey where you throw a haymaker at a guy. Right. Where he could defend himself. You can't do it that way. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see as the season goes along because the White Sox are in first place and they're the best team in the American League. And – you can only imagine that things like this are going to pop up again with Larusa. Right. I would they, be stunned if anything yes. else didn't pop up with Larusa. Look, we said when he was hired how questionable that hire was. And, and it wasn't questionable because of on the field, because we knew on the field they would be good because he's a good manager and they have the talent. The question was just how it would mesh. And 
we're already seeing a crumble in the foundation here. So I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, sometimes you need it like that in sports where maybe the manager and players don't see eye to eye because it pushes the players. And I've got PGA on up here. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I'm looking at my and, phone now. Oh my God, Grace just chipped in from the sand as the leader. Um, is he to five under now? He, he is now to five under. And that's a good segue into, like we said, we're going to touch on this. Yeah, um, I have Joe. no. I have honestly, there's not much I want to say about it because I don't know. Because all I've been hearing the last day and a half now is that the winds are going to be coming from the complete opposite direction at Kiowa over the weekend, and nobody has any idea what that's going to do to the field. So I'm going to leave it at that. If you want to offer anything insightful, in the literally, field, all I was going to say is this is one of those tournaments where your number one objective is to just make the cut. Because once you make the cut, you can win the whole thing. Exactly. Corey exactly. Connors led the field this morning at five under. He's now at two under. Like it, these holes, you can make doubles and triples in the blink of an eye. Make the cut, put together a three under round on Saturday, and you could find yourself in one of the two or three final groups heading exactly. into Sunday. So exactly. yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know we had it a couple minutes blocked off for the PGA, but as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking back to yesterday where I saw Grace in all kinds of rough. He had to take a penalty. Um, Dude, that course is so hard. When that was at five under after chipping from the sandy area. So uh, I have absolutely nothing insightful to offer except sit back and see what the wind does. The winner of this tournament, especially if that wind starts blowing, could finish. The winner could finish with an over par score. That's how hard that course is going to get if it starts blowing. So I'm with you. All right, Joe, we've reached the trivia portion. You are winning by two. I got a good question for you this week. We talked about the NBA playoffs. So real simple, there are five current teams in the NBA that now have made it to the NBA playoffs five or more consecutive years. Five teams, five consecutive years. Correct. So can you name those four teams? You only have 16 to choose from. You got three strikes. All right. You said, sorry, you said name, there's five teams, name four of them. Four teams. Four teams. Four teams, yep. Oh, that have four made... teams that have made it five years in a row. Got it. That's why I was coming up with the number All five. All good. Yep, okay. so go ahead. Um, five years in a row. It's not the Lakers because they missed it when LeBron got there. So that's a stumbling block that I'm not going to fall into. Um, Warriors missed it last year. They were the worst team in basketball. Uh, the Grizzlies have certainly not been there. The Jazz are a possibility. The Clippers, I don't think so. Oh, wait, you know, the Clippers would dock. The Clippers are one of them. Clippers are not one of them. No, they missed it a year. Okay. It was before Kawhi got there, I guess. Um, all right. So one strike. I don't think it's the Mavericks. Um, 55 seconds. The Nuggets have been consistent. The Nuggets. Not the Nuggets. Wow. Two this strikes. Is a tougher question than it seconds seems. Left. It is. Five it is. years in a row. Um, not the Suns. So I'm only left with, I guess, Portland in the West. In the East, it's not the Sixers. It's not the Knicks. It's not the Hawks. Uh, Miami? Not Miami. What are the teams? So, I just danced around all the answers, I guess. And it's so funny because Portland actually leads the way with eight straight wow. playoff appearances. I would have thought they – because there's been some times in there where they've fought hard. Right. I would have thought somewhere along the line they just barely missed out on the eight seed. And it's funny because we talked about those Joe Johnson Hawks teams, and that's what the Blazers have been. They don't get the one or two, but they get the three, the yeah. five, the six, and they make it every year. Two is Boston. They made it seven straight years. And then three and four tied for uh, with five straight are Utah and Milwaukee, both with five straight. I would not have gotten Utah. 
I probably should have gotten Milwaukee uh, and Boston. I struck out before I got that far down the Eastern uh, standing. So yeah, when I, I was when I was going through, I'm like, I, yeah, I mean, I maybe would have gotten one or two of these teams, but all four probably not. So yeah, there you go. All right, well, no no point for me today. Um, I <laughs> thought I was going to go PGA for you, but I couldn't find a question I liked, uh, so I went NBA as well. Okay. Um, so and this is actually I found very interesting. In the playoff field, of the longest NBA title droughts, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them are among the top nine, and nine of them, excuse me, um, the longest of the longest title droughts, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yes, uh, ten of the top 12 longest title droughts are in the playoffs this year. Wow. Um, I'm asking you to give me all of them. I want you to give me specifically the top five, the top okay. five longest title droughts in the NBA. And again, your pool to choose from is pretty much the whole postseason because 10 of the top 12 longest title droughts are in it. But I want you to just give me the top five active title droughts that are in the playoffs. The Kings are number one, 69 years. Okay. Um, but the, the next eight of them are all in the playoffs. So I want you to give me the, the five most among the teams in the playoffs. All right. The three I'm going to go with right off the bat are the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Wizards. The Clippers and the Bucks, yes. The Wizards, no. Really? So Not the among the five most. 79. So. Mm-hmm. so one strike and you're only 10 seconds into it. And you got okay. two of them. All right, yeah. I thought the Wizards, man, Philly with Dr. J, maybe. All right, Miami's won it recently. Boston's won it recently. Um, Brooklyn, did the Nets ever win it? Ooh, they lost to the Spurs. I'm going to go Nets. They're up there, but they're not in the top five. That's why this question was so interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. Strike two, and you're 30 seconds in. Ooh, 40 Atlanta, seconds in, excuse me. Atlanta could be another one, not the Knicks. Uh, the, ooh, did the Jazz ever win while with Stockton Malone? They lost to Jordan. Don't think they ever. Denver. I'll go Denver. Strike three. This is what was so interesting to me because – like I said, 10 of the 12 longest are all in the playoffs. So just going through the playoff teams isn't going to get you the answer. It's, yeah. it's after you figure them out, trying to put them in order. Um, Hawks, 62 years. Suns, and some of these teams have never won it, but it's right. just a matter of how long they've been in existence. Uh, Phoenix, Hawks, yeah. 62 years. Phoenix, 52 years. Clippers, you got 50 years. Bucks, 49 years. And then the Knicks are next at 47 years. That is the top Knicks. five. Damn. Um, Crazy. Beyond that, Jazz at 46. They were right there at number six. Nuggets, Nets, Pacers, all at 44 because all came in together. And, and, and that was uh, – they haven't won. Um, then uh, the Blazers at 43, Wizards at 42. And then Thunder at 41, followed by the Sixers at 37. So – then 13 or yeah, 12 of the top 15 longest active are in the playoffs, which is crazy. Wild. Wild. Crazy. So, so the I, four, I, I the hope four, that a drought is ended. 
before that weren't on there. Bucks comes true, it'd be 50 years versus 49 years. So the four that weren't on there were Lakers, Dallas, Boston, and Miami. Those are the four that are the most recent. Okay, gotcha. The other, the other 12 of them are all among the top 15. That makes it even more exciting. I never thought about that, but you're so, I mean, because yeah, the NBA is really dominated by dynasties. If you're not the Lakers, Spurs, Warriors, Heat, Celtics, you know, yeah. I haven't won one in a long time. So that's true. How about that? All right, great, great couple questions for the NBA. Good stuff. Uh, the fir- the playoffs finally start with the one versus eight seeds and two versus seven seeds, and the whole brackets on Saturday. NHL playoffs still going on. PGA. Thanks again to Wes Hall for joining us, Joe. Next week, episode fifty, episode one year 50. anniversary of Glass of Joe. Very exciting. Hoping we can book a uh, a great guest. So looking forward to that, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. One year, 50th episode.